Road to Emmaus, Chapter 6, Daniel, written over 500 years before Christ. So just before his crucifixion, Jesus answered his followers' questions about the end of time. Sitting on the Mount of Olives, listening to Jesus describe what the last days will look like. So we can imagine them sitting under an olive tree, soaking up the Lord's words. Jesus warned that many will come and claim to be the Messiah. And as he spoke, perhaps they were able to see the temple across the valley on the next hilltop. Remember when Jesus gave the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24, they were sitting uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is on the Mount of Olives. It's, it's basically the western slope of the Mount of Olives. And to their east, they can see the east gate of the temple, the walls, and they could see the temple itself from where they were. All right. So maybe it was during the sunset and the cool breeze was, was making a distant chatter through the olive tree leaves. Perhaps Jesus looked over at the temple and began to describe what, was, what he was seeing in the future at the temple mount. Jesus continued to tell them many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. We can imagine John and Peter looking over to the other side of the Kidron Valley as well. Perhaps they were picturing in their minds the false prophets and what they would look like. Maybe they reflected on their Jewish history, how Antiochus Epiphanes placed the statue of Zeus in the temple and demanded that everyone worship it. Jesus showed what the end of time would look like. He said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Then Jesus may have looked at them with the eyes of a loving father and said to them softly yet powerfully, See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places, and all these things are the beginning of sorrows. Jesus was about to say something that these men had no problem with. Jesus quoted from Daniel, saying, When you see the abomination of desolation, spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. This is all found in Matthew chapter 24. So he was, Jesus was referencing the end of time, and no one stood up saying, well, I think we need to debate whether Daniel was really written by Daniel. Really, Jesus? How could Daniel have possibly known all those future events? Well, Jesus himself called Daniel a prophet. So we should not we should not spend hundreds of wasted hours digging, researching, internet searching and long fruitless biblical classroom debates on the subject of whether the book of Daniel is legit or not. Many intellectuals with fancy titles are wasting their time and energy because Jesus calls Daniel a prophet. 
Jesus puts his stamp of approval on the book of Daniel. It is as if Jesus uses his signet ring to stamp approved on the legitimacy of Daniel. The reason these theological experts are so critical of Daniel is that he foretold many future events, including the exact number of days until Messiah would come. This was fulfilled exactly to the day when Jesus rode on a donkey into Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives and through the East Gate. It was on April 6, 32 A.D. Then days later, Jesus, the prince, was, quote, cut off, unquote, just like Daniel had said, or this means killed. All of it penned by Daniel over 500 years before it happened. So before we go there, perhaps while on the road to Emmaus, Jesus reminded the two men how Daniel also foretold whom Alexander the Great was and what he would do. He may have reminded them of how Alexander himself was in awe of the book of Daniel, foretelling his own life hundreds of years before he was born. History shows that Alexander the Great was about to destroy the Jewish temple, but at the last minute, a Jewish priest ran out to show him that the book of Daniel described him, his life, specifically hundreds of years earlier. Alexander dared not to destroy the temple at that point and even showed respect to the Jewish God, all because of the words in the book of Daniel. Check out your history if you want to research that one. It's, it's really interesting. So Daniel later gave descriptive details to the number of years that Antiochus Epiphanes IV would oppress the Jewish people. He gave the exact number of days, 2,300 to be exact, that Antiochus would oppress the people of, in Jerusalem. He also revealed that, that, that what he did during that time. The list of prophecies goes on and on in the book of Daniel. Many fulfilled, but some clearly are still to come. So on the road to Emmaus, we can imagine Jesus showing the two men the place where Daniel recorded the number of days until the Messiah. Keep in mind, Daniel wrote it down around 500 years before Christ was even born. In Daniel chapter 9, we see the scripture showing the words weeks, which actually means sevens in the Hebrew or seven years. Let us look at the prophetic words. This is Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. From the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Remember, the weeks are sets of seven or seven years. So in the book of Nehemiah, we see the actual date 
of when the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem was. We find it in chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. The date translates from the Jewish calendar to March 14th, 445 B.C. or before Christ. That is the starting point. Because remember the, the scripture in Daniel in chapter 9, it said, from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, it was in this book of Nehemiah, it's recorded that, that uh, the ruler gave the actual command to go and restore the temple. And we translated that again to March 14th, 445 B.C. So that's the starting point. Now, the number of days in Daniel is simply figured out by multiplying the seven times the seven years, or we call them weeks in Daniel, so the seven times the sevens. And adding the 62 times the seven, remember there was a 62 in Daniel's prophecy as well, and this gives you 483 years. Again, it's seven times seven plus 62 times 7 equals 483 years. Now, just take the 483 years and convert it into days. Instead of multi multiplying by 365 days per year, you actually want to multiply it by the 360-day prophetic years, which was used in those days. And this result gives you a total of 173,880 days, exactly. This number of days brings you to April 6th, 32 AD. The very day that Jesus rode on the donkey, descending down the Mount of Olives, across the Kidron Brook and up the hill into, through the East Gate into Jerusalem. This is also known as the Triumphal Entry or Palm Sunday. Wow, isn't that amazing? Wow. This is why scholars debate and doubt the legitimacy of Daniel, but God can do that. God can do anything, right? So top of page 102, perhaps the Magi from the East, as the scripture says, had copies of Daniel's writings, knew these numbers, and figure out, figured out the birth of Messiah, the prince, was close. Therefore, they followed that star to Bethlehem and gave their gifts to the young Messiah named Jesus. The men on the road would have been wondering about the the stranger who was teaching them with this amazing stuff. They must have been in awe of his revealing of the prophetic words of Daniel. They probably understood that the teachers, scribes, and Pharisees of their time had it all wrong. These leaders over-spiritualized the scriptures, and so they missed these prophecies that clearly pointed to the very one who was walking with them on the road to Emmaus. It was this very generation who saw these literal prophecies fulfilled and missed it. This was he, 
the one true Messiah named Jesus from Nazareth who was walking with them with his identity hidden on this road to Emmaus. Isn't that amazing? What a great story. Page 103. Perhaps they began to remember that when Jesus was teaching in the temple and in the synagogues, he taught them with clearness and authority, showing great understanding by showing by knowing when the scriptures were literal and when to see them as spiritual. Even today, we see teachers, pastors, and authors, and, and scholars overcomplicating the scriptures. They debate over stupid things like the legitimacy of Daniel. Many of these teachers refuse to teach prophecy. They say prophecy is a distraction from the more important mission of serving. You know, a uh, side note there, that is popular today, and I disagree. I, I think you need both. I, I believe you need, that is an important mission of serving, but you also want to serve the Word of God, and you want to give the whole counsel of God, which is what Paul did. It would be like uh, giving a meal or dinner to feeding somebody, but leaving out vegetables or leaving out fruits or leaving out the meat. You need a balanced meal. You need it all. Jesus did go through prophecy. He didn't do it all the time, but he did. So it's important that we look at this stuff as well. And what it does for me, it doesn't make me depressed or worried about the future. This gives me hope because I know that God has a plan and I know that his prophecies are going to be fulfilled 100%. And it gives me great hope and trust in him. It just uh, authenticates it. It verifies his word. All right, last, uh, last paragraph on page 103. What they fail to see, these modern day pastors and teachers, is that they should teach the whole word of God. This is like eating a well-balanced meal. I just said that, but we'll read it again. You need the fruits, you need the vegetables, breads, and meats to live healthy. These same Christian scholars also love to teach that God was finished with Israel as a nation. Many of them teach that after Jesus died on the cross, God had no more use for Israel. They love to side with the rest of the world community in calling Israel an oppressive nation. Some of these churches even call on their followers to boycott, divest, and call for sanctions against Israel. They love to say the future prophecies about Israel really mean this, blah, 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 blah. Perhaps the scribes and Pharisees had those same kinds of debates. They may have read the prophecies that showed the suffering Messiah and overcomplicated the meaning and by saying what it really means is this. Who knows? But we see this kind of teaching today. Many Bible teachers, scholars, and, and so on, they just love to sound intelligent as they say that all prophecy was fulfilled long ago when Jesus came the first time. These men usually have a difficult time with the remaining unfulfilled prophecies of Daniel. Not just Daniel, by the way. Other books too, like Ezekiel and, and uh, Revelation. You, you, you won't see him or hear him teach through those books. Not thoroughly, not all of the scriptures in these books. So they really struggle with the book of Revelation. They claim that there is no coming 1,000-year reign of Christ. 
even though Revelation clearly spells it out six times in seven verses. If you go to Revelation chapter 20, you could see that. The first part of it, six times in seven verses, God says, <laughs> this is God's book, they shall rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years, thousand years, thousand years, thousand years, thousand years. You think God's trying to tell you something? You think he's saying that this is just allegorical, that I'm going to say it six times in seven verses? No. He's saying this is something that will literally happen. Some of these teachers say that we are living in that kingdom era now, and that Satan has been bound and thrown into the pit. Well, if that were true, then Satan must have a long chain, and our Lord would be a lousy king, because if you are honest, the world is not getting better overall. So today, we see the same junk surfacing up to the top, just as it did during Jesus' time. The teachers, ministry leaders, and scholars, many of them, are over-spiritualizing and complicating the scriptures again. They are blind shepherds leading their blind flocks into darkness. However, God will not allow that to go on for exceedingly long. He will bring up men and women who want to know the full truth about him. Remember, Jesus himself called Daniel a prophet. In addition, remember that not all of the prophecies in Daniel happened so far. So his story continues on until history or his story on this earth is finished. You know, I love my brothers who, who believe and think differently about uh, prophecy and and how the, the future is going to unfold, and which, which prophecies are fulfilled, which ones are not. Even those who don't even support Israel, I still love them. I love them as brothers, and I'll even uh, attend their church and, 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 and you know make sure that we have unity and love and all those things. But I will disagree with them, and I will preach the truth when I'm, te when I'm teaching through the Bible, especially in books like Daniel, Ezekiel, Revelation. Um, and there's others too, but we need to tell the truth in love, but tell the truth. And again, these prophecies can be very exciting. We have to be careful that we never listen to anybody who date sets, you know, oh, Jesus has to come by this year and oh, this has to happen. Ah, careful. Jesus said, nobody knows the hour of the day. Uh, we can know the seasons. We can know the signs of the times and Quite honestly, today, I'm, this is 2020 when I'm recording this, I think all the signs are here for the end times. I'm basically just waiting for the trumpet to sound. I'm looking up, expecting Jesus at any time. Does that mean I run up a credit card debt and you know do something that's not wise, something foolish like that? No. What I want to do is I want to live my life and plan ahead like I'm going to live a full life and, and plan ahead for my future generation, for my son and my son's sons, my grandsons, right? I want, to, I want to plan for them. I want to leave an inheritance to them. But at the same time, I want to be expecting Jesus at any moment. That's called the, the doctrine of imminent return. That means it's a doctrine that expects Jesus at any time. And that's the doctrine that the first apostles had 
you know, Paul was expecting Jesus at any moment. John, Peter, all of them had this doctrine. So we need to be very careful about uh, uh, presenting that, you know, well, Jesus, we, we need to usher in Jesus. I mean, we need to, we're going to get so many Christians and spread the gospel throughout the world that, uh, you know, eventually Jesus will be so pleased, he'll, we'll just usher him in and everyone will just realize it and the kingdom will be here. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible says. Now, I believe that we do need to spread the gospel and, and uh, you know, spread the good news and, and hope for the best. That's That's good stuff. But, if you're honest about the world right now and, and and you look at the real the world honestly you see that the 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 nations are up against Israel and and the hatred toward them well you see that these prophecies are are true and they're they're going to come true and so we need to speak the truth now what i see happening is i see that things will get worse just as jesus said and there will be earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars. We've seen that happen. We've seen the many earthquakes. They've increased all over the world. This is a fact. If you go to the USGS, they uh, they have an earthquake uh, research where they've actually shown that earthquakes have increased in how many of them and how close together and the magnitude of them over the years, over the few, last few decades. You know, it's just interesting stuff. So we the, the key thing is is to be ready. Watch and be ready, but also to be serving your Lord, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, right? And that's how I want him to find me when he returns and catches us up into the air, as the Bible says. And I believe that we'll go on a seven-year honeymoon, basically, so to speak, with Jesus, because we're the bride of Christ. We're going to have this fantastic seven years with him, and then we get to come back with him to rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years until the end of the thousand years is up, just like the Bible says, just like in Revelation. And then the new heaven and the new earth will arrive. So it just gets better and better and better. So anyway, that's that's my eschatology. And eschatology basically means the steady of the end times or your belief of how everything will unfold in the end. That's what mine is. If yours is different, hey, welcome anyway. And I hope you're enjoying this book. And I love you. And I just can't wait to get into the next chapter, you guys. Uh, chapter 7 is going to be the other prophets. And we're going to go into various prophets and, and where we could find Jesus and where we have found Jesus in these. So, really excited about that. God bless you. Have a great time going through the scriptures.